Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Thank you so much for tuning back into another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me is my special guest, Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, and here's a bit about Dr. Roseanne. Dr. Roseanne is a mental health trailblazer, founder of the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health, and Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, who is changing the way we view and treat children's mental health. Forbes magazine called her a thought leader in children's mental health. Her work has helped thousands reduce and reverse symptoms associated with the most challenging conditions. And some of those conditions are followed ADHD. There's also the way that they process anxiety, mood, autism, learning disability, Lyme, and PANS and pandas using proven holistic therapies such as neurofeedback, biofeedback, and psychotherapy. And that's just a bit about what Dr. Roseanne does. And today we're going to focus on children's mental health. As you know, we are currently in Mental Health Awareness Month, which I feel like it needs to be discussed all year round. But you know what? We'll roll with the month for now just to get the conversations going. So welcome, Dr. Roseanne. Well, thanks for that great intro. And I'm glad I agree with you completely. Like mental health needs to be not just a conversation, but something we take action on every day. And it's great that we have an entire month to educate people about it, but we have never seen a mental health crisis like we have right now post pandemic or during the pandemic, because we're not even post. Um, And it's affecting kids and adults alike across the globe. Yes, it is, Dr. Roseanne. And then whenever you're working with children who are struggling with mental health, what are some of the other problems that you've seen? And do you feel like parents don't necessarily take it serious because they don't want to acknowledge that something may be wrong with their children because maybe their patterns and their behaviors have changed? Yeah. I mean, what a great question. I think that Genesis, I think that it's multifaceted. I think for some people that they're afraid of what they see, especially when there's intergenerational trauma or um, intergenerational mental health issues. We always think of mental health issues as being hereditary, but what really what's hereditary is the behaviors that are passed down. We learn from our families. I mean, the number one way we learn to parent is how our parents parent us. And if they didn't have it together, then they pass down those same behaviors to, to us. And, you know, we are view ourselves as an educated society, but really what are we watching? You know, what are we learning about? How are we bettering ourselves? And we are struggling so much for mental health right now in this pandemic, because it already was a hot mess before the pandemic. Um, And it's why I formed the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health right before the pandemic, January of 2020, as I was so concerned. So why do parents miss it? right? What happens, right? So first of all, I think parents are being good parents and they're being conscientious, most parents, um, and they're just missing the signs. So that is a big part of it. The other part of it is that even when they see the signs, um, a lot of kids can do really well in school in terms of grades, 
and they use grades as a benchmark for mental health. So they say, well, I think my kid is anxious. Maybe they're depressed, but they're still getting A's and B's. How could that be? So they don't really understand where it shows up and how, and they also are thinking, well, they're holding it together for school. That's the glue. And it's not going to impact them later in life. And that's a major, major fallacy because in America, we have one third of adults. We don't know all the reasons, but one third of adults, 18 to 34, still live at home with their parents. This is not a culture where people live with their parents. If this was another culture like the Philippines or Italy, even it's very common to live with your parents, not in America. So um, we have to ask those questions. And what are the signs? right? What are the signs that we're missing? And I, and the number one thing that we're missing is all of those somatic signs, those signs that your child at any age, young, right? Uh, anxiety disorder, the average age of onset is age six. Um, and to teenagers and young adults, like belly aches, gastrointestinal distress of any kind is a very common sign of worry and anxiety that we internalize it. Sleep problems, headaches. Um, we want to think of those classic signs like complete change in behavior. Mm, usually that happens when somebody's highly distressed. So we want to look for those little signs of worry. Um, and they do show up and we want to not just have conversations about it. We want to role model for our parent, for our kids, how we manage stress so that it shows them because um, kids are watching us all the time. You'll see Genesis. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I, and I feel like in the school settings, some teachers often try to allude to the parent that there's something going on with their, with their child and maybe the mental health capacity, because there are certain things that they look forward, but then the parents are shutting out the teachers because they don't want to come to the realization that something is really going on with their child, because maybe they're in that denial factor, whenever that child may be crying out for help, or there may be changes in the home dynamic or environmental factors that can play into these mental health breakdowns or the cusp. And just because you have a mental health crisis does not mean you're going to have a lifelong mental health problem. It's Absolutely not. You need to address at the time yeah. versus like putting it on the back burner. Yeah. And, you know, it's such a good point, right? We are being conditioned that you have anxiety or depression or OCD. You're going to have that for the rest of your life. Well, that's really good marketing from pharma who wants you to believe that there's going to be some kind of pill and you're going to be taking it forever. And then we're not really addressing those root causes. Like, what are the behaviors? Like, you know, we know simple things like how you are you a glass half empty or you're your glass half full impacts your whole life, right? So people that are more optimistic, they live longer, happier lives. Well, how do you get there, right? These are behavioral changes that, you know, parents have a lot of power over their kids, right? Um, and people often remark uh, with, with my kids, like, how do they manage this? Uh, we just found out um, my youngest, who's dyslexic, who is pretty darn cool about it. And he's amazing. And he's like, yeah, dyslexic. Like I'm a genius. I'm like, of course you are. And um, it's also the number one common characteristic of millionaires. He likes to talk about that. And um, but he has scoliosis. So people were like, oh my gosh, Roseanne, he has scoliosis. What are you gonna do? And I was like, 
it's going to be okay. Okay. And um, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I talked to uh, a, a parent I know who has it themselves and their kids had it. She told me exactly who to go to. I'm going to an expert and we're going to do exactly what they say. I'm going to, I'm going to partner and we're fine. And we've opened conversations about it. I'm like, Hey, John Carl, they might tell us you need a brace. And he's like, what is that like? What is that going to be? And I was like, well, I don't know all what it is, but we'll find out and we'll, you know, do what it is. And I'm like, we got to do the exercises because we do the exercises. We got to straighten out. That's fine. He's like, oh yeah, I'm on it. So we don't have to be embarrassed. It's a lot easier when it's something like that, but when it's mental health, for some reason we get embarrassed and it's shameful. We wouldn't be having the same conversation. John Carl has scoliosis. Okay. That's acceptable. Cancer. That's acceptable, but you've got anxiety and depression. You know, we have to teach skills is what we have to do. And it's very, very possible. And I think it's because the media has put a negative spin on it. And we've seen that spin since the 90s and before the 90s, where talking about mental health was a negative stigma. There was a taboo. No one wanted to talk about it because they're like, I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to be seen as crazy. I don't want to be seen as that person that's a walking zombie popping pills. And we know that pharma pushes all these pharmaceutical drugs on mental health patients that have horrible side effects in teens well children teens and adults and adults yes yeah and one of the symptoms um whenever I was a psychology major for two years they were talking about the drugs can make your teeth fall out and they didn't want to disclose that and then some of the drugs can have like you know they could lead to cancer other drugs could lead to you know stomach issues and different stuff but then they'll give you another drug to mask the side effects that you're dealing with versus looking at the root cause to say okay maybe has this child suffered from aces adverse childhood experiences that's right have has there been any trauma that this child has carried into their adulthood or whatever the case may be no one is taking time to analyze the root cause analysis but they're just masking it or putting a band-aid on and just saying oh okay just take this pill you're gonna be fine Yeah. And, you know, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Right. And, and, you know, people there, there's two parts to this, right? So we've gotten conditioned that there is a quick fix. So we ask for it. Right. Then the other part of this is that we're pushing that, right. We're not the, the people on the top of the pyramid, which should be yourself or a parent in terms of your medical and, and psychological needs the top of the pyramid is a physician and the physician is not disseminating that information. Most physicians, because they're overwhelmed and they're not educated. They have very little education about all of those lifestyle components that improve mental health and really even the types of therapies that improve mental health. You know, talk therapy doesn't move the dial unless your nervous system is regulated. That's what my whole work is about. Calm brain, happy family. It's really calming that brain down so you can think and take action. But you, we don't think about what brings people there. And, you know, I, I get two kinds of clients, people that are already holistic that are like, listen, I want to get the best possible care from somebody who's worked with thousands of people. And I I don't want to put myself or my kid on medication. But the reality is like get a lot of crisis and they're like, I call them the the people that drive up the the one-way roads. You always say, how did they drive up the one way in the highway? Like, did they not, they weren't drunk and they still did it. I don't get it. 
Well, it's like they're these crises and they get here and they're like, I'm going to do what you say, Roseanne. And then I can get people better and symptom relief quick because of the brain tools I use. But the behavior takes time and they often want to just bail as soon as they get some relief, right? We carefully screen people. You have to actually apply to work with me um, because you got to be ready for change. And that means that it's not a magic wand, that you have to really integrate changes. And, and people can feel very overwhelmed by that. But, but the reality is that you are working really hard up a hill and people don't think about what got you there. And a lot of times there are traumas and trauma isn't just physical, sexual abuse and neglect. It can be a medical trauma. It can be, which a lot of people I know have medical trauma. It can be all of these horrific experiences with psych meds. I've had many people have gosh, everything from psychosis to neurological problems to you name it. And we're not talking about this openly, you know, um, it could be bullying. It can be a lot of things that impact somebody and cause them to get stuck. So until we kind of get those pieces together, you can't move forward. Um, and, and I think hopefully people are hearing this and say, and listening and thinking, oh my gosh, I, I did have a friendship betrayal that broke my heart and I've really been stuck since then. Or, you know, we moved three times and that's when my kid really got stuck and in isn't moving forward. And, you know, yeah, we've gone to four therapists, but maybe I need to find a different therapist who really works with grief and loss because that's a lot about grief and loss. So it's aligning yourself with the right help um, and don't give up on those kind of resources. I mean, there are so many lifestyle tools that people can integrate to improve their mental mental health and change, create generational mental wealth so that as they move forward, they're giving their kids and their kids' kids and so on this beautiful mental health. And we set that example. We have that power instead of being overwhelmed by it, be excited about what can lie ahead and what you can change for your family. Absolutely. And one of the themes for 2022 for um, the Mental Health Association, when I looked it up yesterday, was back to basics, where we need to go back and understand the foundation behind it in order for us to make progress versus just having that perfection, because things aren't going to be perfect. So I know you um, help parents understand the signs and symptoms in children. So I want you to highlight what some of those signs and symptoms are, because that is going to feed into allowing a child to be seen as well as heard. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, as I talked about earlier, I think the biggest sign of stress um, in any stage, the the early stage and the, and the acute stages are physical, right? So um, any type of gastrointestinal. I had a kid one time, he was a straight A student, Genesis, and every day, Sunday to Thursday, he threw up at night. And he went to, I don't know how many um, gastroenterologists. And finally, somebody said, go to Dr. Roseanne. She always figures stuff out. (laughs) And, and I said, listen, this is a stress response. Let's do some neurofeedback with him, which is a way to regulate brain waves and calm the nervous system very safely and effectively um, and something that produces uh, sustained changes years later. And within two weeks, he completely stopped. And he never, he's, he's uh, 
he's in seeing his last year of college. Yeah. He's, he's in his last year of college and uh, full scholarship and he's great. He's a great human being. He was that kid that they would always put with the special needs kids to be the buddy. He's just a great kid, you know, so it was great for them. And his mother was like, this is a real learning lesson. She was a really down to earth mother and he was just an internalizer. And he put a lot of pressure on himself to be this top kid, even though nobody else was doing that. And that's sort of the climate. So look for gastrointestinal, look for sleep problems, look for um, worried questions, right? Like, you know, uh, look for constant need of reassurance. Um, Maybe look for a fear of trying new things. Um, And you can see those classic signs of uh, withdrawal, anger, rage, those are signs, right? Easily distressed. Uh, emotional layability is one of the biggest issues people will come to me. So it could be straight tantrums that are still happening at 15 or happening beyond the developmental norm, you know, age five, six, they start really lessening. Um, but it also can, you know, just be that they stress and startle easily, those kind of things. Um, but, you know, we as parents, you know, we are so connected to our kids in so many ways. And so you just have to look and then you can't just be like, are you stressed? That's the other part of this. Cause unless you're using that language at home, um, you know, we talk about stress and anxiety. We, we have a really anxious cat named Tiger. And I always tell my kids, like, can you imagine Tiger in therapy? Cause my gosh, he needs it, you know? And, and he's scared of guys and he's this, except my husband. And then, you know, all these things. And we, we normalize mental health. Um, we do a lot more than what our cat is. Right. But, but, um, and, and we create conversations and we also tap into what our body feels like. So as a society and a culture, we are very disconnected from our bodies. That's why we seek, you know, binge eating, emotional eating and alcohol and been watching Netflix and your kids sitting on YouTube all the time, right. Which has been shown through research that passive scrolling, um, is not beneficial to your mental health in terms of being on devices, but engaging is. So you want to look for those concrete signs and then don't say, well, they're a good student or they have friends. Mental health, you know, anxiety, depression, OCD, they can hit anybody. You can live in the best neighborhood and go to the best school and have millions of dollars and it's still going to affect you. It's what is happening in our nervous system, what's happening in the brain. Um, and all of us are wired a little differently. And some of us are a little more stress inoculated, but you can't just say you're going to be immune to stress. You got to actively do things every day in this world to counter it. And I think that's what we can do as parents to create that um, generational mental wealth, because we have to role model how to be stress inoculated and how to manage stress because real stuff happens. And we can't just be like, oh, we're going to ignore it and binge watch next Netflix for three days. Absolutely. I think you have to have the holistic approach. So you have to understand what's going on mentally, what cha- what changes are occurring physically, is there any spiritual strain, strain, especially if they come from a religious or spiritual background? And then emotions, like emotions, whether they lost a, a loved one, they lost a pet, 
um, they lost a relationship or whatever the case may be. There's so many intricate layers that are being built in and you have to connect that mind, body, and soul experience because whenever it's not connected, you're not operating at your optimal level in order to have that peak performance because something is not incongruent. And I think it's okay to realize the fact that you're not okay, but you are working on becoming okay. And when you could come to grips with that, it definitely makes the transition period a lot easier in order for transformation to take place. And transformation is introducing the different therapies, seeking a paid and trained professional talking about it and not allowing shame, guilt, or remorse to take over, over your life and keep you bottled up in a shell because that's not conducive to no. your overall experience. And shame holds people, fear holds people back more than anything, but, but shame is something we don't talk enough about. And people of all ages limit their lives because of shame. You know, and I do think that we do have experiences that are that are awful, right? And um, we have to process them. We have to deal with them. We have to put them where they belong. Um, but we don't have to have them, lit, you know, rule our lives. And on the other side of that, we also can't be perfect. And you didn't note that. We are a culture where we are presenting everything on our social and everyone is sort of way more convinced. You know, I was trying to, uh, we, we have a mix of different ages, but we have a, a cluster of younger women who work for me. And um, I was trying to explain to them when I was a kid, if like somebody had a fancy car, which is a Cadillac or Mercedes, when I grew up, they had money, like they had money, you couldn't get those cars. And now anybody can have them and they can have $0 in their bank account. Right. And so it's about a facade and people are all trying to fit into this world when you have to honor yourself and, you know, the mind, body, spirit is very important. And we have control of that and everything starts from within. And the more we tend to that garden, particularly our mental garden, um, the happier and more abundance we will have. I mean, it's pretty incredible how everything falls into place, including productivity, when you really work to calm that brain. Um, and of course, for me, I, I think part of my life is connecting with higher source. Um, and, uh, you know, I think everyone has their own way of doing that. Absolutely. And thank you for interjecting that because I did leave out that part and it was very um, critical. So let's jump into our call to action part of the segment, Dr. Roseanne. So once our listeners and viewers hear and watch this segment, what do you want them to walk away with? And then plug your website and where you primarily hang out on social yeah. media. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that is my call to action is to take 10 minutes a day to calm your brain. And it doesn't matter what age you are and what you've been through. There is a science-backed way to do it. Um, and whether that's doing intentful breath work, meditation, prayer, some gratitude practices, neurofeedback, biofeedback, you're going to find something and you need to do it 10 minutes a day. And when you really work to take your nervous system from a stressed, sympathetic dominant down 
to a calm parasympathetic state, you're going to see those benefits. It's a positive domino effect. Um, so, you know, that's my call to action and, and do it for 30 days and chart it. Um, and take, make a scale of zero to five. And every day, write down my stress level was high. It was a five or it was a zero. And I promise you, if you do it for 30 days, you're going to see a trend down. Um, and also for the perfectionist, if you have a day where it spikes, that's okay. That's life. <laughs> we look for the trend, right? We're in a negative stock market tr trend, but we want to see a positive stock market trend with some dips. Um, and then you can find me, Dr. Roseanne, everywhere. That's D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N. That's .com. I'm on YouTube, TikTok, um, Instagram is that, and Dr. Roseanne Kapanahaj on Facebook. Um, but that's where you can find me. And thank you so much, Dr. Roseanne, for just coming on and sharing your wisdom and insight around mental health and from a child's perspective, because once we know what's going on with our children, we're going to be able to be better parents and get them the help they need. Listeners and viewers, all of Dr. Roseanne's contact information will be in the show notes. Make sure you scroll down, read, and connect. I also want you to like, comment, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms, and you can see all things video by heading on over to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp on YouTube. So until we chat next time, peace love, and lots of blessings. Go out there and learn something new and do something every day to help you learn more about mental health awareness. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel. Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G E M S, with W I T H, Genesis, G E N E S I S, Amaris, A M A R I S, Kemp, K E M P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services could be here on GEMS Podcasts.